0: There are a lot of things in motion. Um, like I mentioned, I've been at the role for three months. So it's been more of the building the levers versus pulling the levers. Um, but we'll, we'll be giving a few brands a run for the money very soon. Um, I am Ooh. going to be employing a lot of D2C strategies. Um, I'm a big believer in partnering with D2C brands as B2B companies.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Joel Premek, the host of the community Led Grill Show. Today, I'm joined by Evan Patterson, content community evangelist uh, at Troops. Thanks so much for being on the show, Evan. What's
0: up? Uh, nothing other than just kind of we were talking about our uh, nightlife habits or lack thereof for some of us. Um, <laughs> that has been a it's been a nice slow Friday um, so far, and I hope to keep it that way. Actually, after this. <laughs>
1: I think we all appreciate a nice, slow Friday, like heading into the weekend and we can just kind of cruise in and be like, yes, we made it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping for that.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's start diving into some of the killer content that we're going to cover today. So first off, what really got you into community? Because I feel like it takes a special kind of person or experience really for someone to be like, ooh. I love community. I want to do that.
0: For me, it comes from watching like, uh, as a, it, it, we're about the same age, right? So we grew up with like YouTube as a thing, right? Versus like television. So um, as YouTube started taking over um, and I was in online high school, so uh, I would you know, have YouTube on like in the background. So like I, I picked up on just a lot of entertainment through just purely osmosis. And um, just watching like YouTubers that now we would call influencers, um, do what they did, whether it was like, I have a big gamer, so watching Let's Players. Um, I love anything RuPaul's Drag Race related. So watching you know, the drag queens that were on the show and their new channels and stuff. And I could go on about the topics, but the point being they're all B2C at the end of the day and um, as business models. And I watched them and I liked them. And I noticed that every time they had a brand deal or a partnership or an influencer marketing strategy going on, I loved the products that they were doing it with because usually it was on brand. For them. And if I like this person, therefore, I usually want to like what they like too. Um, Birds of a feather flock together is a great marketing strategy. Um, So it's why you have ads. It's like, show me people like this when you type it into Facebook's ad generator. So I was always fascinated by that um, because I could see when people weren't doing a good job of it either. And when I got older um, and I worked in insurance and I worked in real real retail furniture sales, I uh, just kind of implemented the same strategies. I just kind of like went out into my community and like networking events. I created Facebook pages and Twitter pages for myself that were in addition to work. Like it wasn't like Evan at Art Van Furniture or Evan at State Farm. It was just Evan, like. And just making people get to know me and like me while squeezing in those facts of like what I do and like making it make sense and stuff. So, therefore, people liked me. Therefore, they would like working with me and therefore they would buy from me. Um, When I got to B2B, it's like no one did this. It doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me at the end of the day. Like it's like, oh, B2C versus B2B. And I'm like, it's, you're still selling to a human being at the end of the day. I don't know about you, but I've never had a Zoom call with a brick wall. It's, there's always been a, a living being on the other end, unless you've had a most fortunate event where someone's died mid-Zoom call. (laughs) But the point being, like, it's a human being who's still going through the exact same psychological buying motions. So I noticed as an SDR or a BDR that if I created my own following, my own community, I did community marketing for the Evan show basically, just Evan, everything Evan, uh, and just got people to like me. Uh, my cold outreach became very warm then because that way, like anything you say, Evan, was the response when I asked people if they wanted to book a meeting with with me. So therefore I understood that the power of having people like you quite literally was something you could take straight to the bank. Uh, Now I had to lean into some stubborn nature though. Um, I am a, an acquired taste. <laughs> I am. I. I am a horrible liar. I am a horrible actor. I would lose at poker for two reasons. One, I have no poker face, and I don't know how to play poker. So I would therefore. I had to make sure that, like, all right, I got sped that bullshit by you know boomers. And if you're a boomer listening to this, be offended. It's okay. Um, feel your feelings. You know, It's okay. Don't eat them too much. But the point being, we got taught as millennials that being stubborn is a bad thing. No, it's not. Being stubborn versus being very self-aware and self-assured are two very different things. So why not lean into the stubborn nature and let the, your stubbornness guide you versus force everyone else to adapt to you? So no one, else, no one has to force themselves to work with me if I just lean into my stubborn nature, which will attract the people that would organically work with me anyways. So that's how community marketing made sense for me, was like, I can be myself and be stubborn, but in a way that is magnetic and attractive. And that's I lo- it was a selfish reason, but then it became a career by accident.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome. So I'm gonna probe a little now because you just said that you can be stubborn and it like helped you actually build a community of people because you like really owned yourself in a way and not tried to do something else that wasn't you. What are some examples of that that you've done and have been shown or like really, I guess resulted in success, whether it's driving meetings, driving attendance to an event, whatever, else that design outcome is.
0: Yeah, I quickly realized that a lot of like, um, and during my SDR days, while using community marketing as a strategy, um, I realized that there was a lot of activities that SDRs were doing for the sole purpose of doing activities. It wasn't for, there was really no rhyme or reason behind it. When I would ask why we're doing it, and they would go, well, that worked for me. Well, when did it work for you? 10 years ago. So what you mean to tell me is your opinion is expired. Like, like, with all due respect, like, if you haven't tried this recently, I don't give a shit anymore, right? So, therefore, I kind of became stubborn. I was like, well, let me figure out what works then. I'm the SDR, not you. You're just the SDR's boss. I'm not an order taker, even though I'm a, I am see I refused to act like an order taker at any level. Um, so, therefore, I would... Experiment with all the different channels, whether that was LinkedIn, Twitter, email, um, uh, cold calling, to figure out what worked best for ICP. Um, you know, I always made sure to get to my meetings booked. I always made sure to have my total number activities equal to the total that they were looking for. But I refused to look at the channel by channel activity requirements um, because most of the time they were wrong, and and I could prove it with data. So I. Refused to do it every time I didn't hit quota was when I got threatened with being fired. Um, and I just bit my tongue and did it because at that age I couldn't afford to get fired. Now, if somebody wants to fire me, go right ahead. But, um, but the right, but the point being back then, I had to lean into my stubborn nature to prove that I knew I was good at doing this, um, not just to everybody else, but to me, and it worked in my favor. Um, I developed social selling strategies that made me be able to sell into an ICP that statistically speaking, I don't care if you're a great cold caller, I don't care what spreadsheets you show me, I've never seen a cold caller outperform me with cold calling than one that did social selling. I've never seen one. Prove me wrong, please, if you can, I would love that actually. But the point being, I really, well, my ICP hangs out on social, so screw what my boss says about cold calling, I'm gonna go hang out on social.
1: That's fair. And that's a great point. Like being where your audience is, is pretty much like the entire ethos of community. So that's a perfect point. And I love that. And again, like great explanation and showing really the whole why you kind Mm -hmm. of have the point of view that you do today. So thank you so much. Diving into um, the point that you just made around activities, how do you, and like, what do you do? And what do you count as an activity being social on social? Cause I know that you excel at social stuff. It's no secret. It's, I <laughs> would say well-known fact in B2B. And if you don't think it's a fact, you probably <laughs> aren't looking at the same accounts that Evan Patterson runs that I'm looking at. I think you're looking at the wrong Evan Patterson. So I would say like, how do you show your value and your time is spent well on social to then show and justify that to your manager, to your manager's manager, et cetera?
0: Yeah, social selling is very difficult to track. Um, It's very difficult to quantify, um, like the number of messages, number of connections, like like the the tiny things you're doing. Um, It's also important that when when you talk about social selling with your manager, that they understand what social selling means. Social selling is not synonymous with content creation or personal branding. It, it, those are tangential and they're symbiotic and they work well together. And quite honestly, you need all three, you know, but you, but they're not synonymous. You know, cars aren't synonymous with fuel and they're also not synonymous with driver's licenses. They're also not synonymous with the knowledge of how to drive a car, but you need all four. <laughs> So um, trying to explain that to a manager, should it be difficult, but unfortunately it is. And if you're a former manager of mine, some of you will know which ones I'm talking about and some of you won't. But the, the point being, if I what I did was I tried tracking like connection requests and things for a while, but that got really tedious. And actually I spent more time tracking than doing. So what I started doing was um, tracking like conversations that I was having. Like, hey, I spoke to this many people this week. Um, and if I was still talking to them like the next week, like I didn't count that as another conversation, that conversation was just still happening. So it was based off conversations that were starting. Um, you know, let's say a conversation ended and it started up again two weeks later. Like I had to use my best judgment really. Um, and then the other metric was like, obviously what came of it, you know, were meetings getting booked. Um, and then the, uh, the last metric was like how much time I was spending. I kind of looked at this like from a time budgeting perspective, kind of like a time card. So Mm -hmm. how many hours did I just spend social selling basically per day? And then how many meetings were I getting per hour if I divide it by hours? And then figured out if that was a good ROI. And then then I could like anecdotally explain to my boss what I was doing in that time if it was lower than I wanted or if it was higher than we expected, how do we repeat this? You know, Mm -hmm. social selling is way more artistic um, of a channel than it is compared to the other ones. Not saying like they're not artistic at all, but it is, I would dare to say it's mostly artistic where the others it's like a solid 50-50 artistic versus scientific.
1: Yep, no, I totally agree. And I would say then you built up this really great audience on Twitter, on LinkedIn, especially too. And you landed this new role at Troops as the content community evangelist. So in a nutshell, how has your audience then really helped and propelled you into that new role? Because you already had this built-in following of people who craved your content, who really learned and listened to you and looked to you as kind of a guiding leader almost in that space.
0: Yeah, uh, good question. Um, Well, one, my following helped me get the job. Um, There's that. Uh, Troops quite honestly poached me. Um, they, they reached out and we talked about the job and I signed on the dotted line, you know, here I am. But um, so that was the first benefit that my following gave me. Um, second benefit that my following gave me that it's benefiting my current role is this, the exposure I'm getting to other people that have been doing my same job or similar jobs um, uh, at other companies so I can connect a network of them and I can amplify the speed at which I'm learning. You know, keep in mind, I've had my job title for three months. I have been a full-time marketer for three months. That's that's my entire full-time marketing resume. I've done a lot of part-time stuff and a lot of freelancing stuff, but at the end of the day, I have been doing this for three months. So, um, but because of the branding and because of the network that I've been able to build, I've been able to perform as if I've been doing this much longer um, because I've been able to get that knowledge faster um, and understand it quickly through a network. So that's a second benefit. Uh, that also benefits troops, because so, they get more for their dollar out of me. Um, and then the third benefit has, uh, and I'm very thankful for all my followers on this one, because this one has had the biggest impact on my life um, outside of my nine to five job, which is the uh, just like a self-assurance that what I'm doing matters. You know, uh, it, it can matter to me and you should love what you're doing. Um, and But for me, like, I'd be lying if I didn't say I love attention. And it is, it's just nice to get that confirmation and reminder every once in a while that what I'm doing is helping people. And without a following that is highly engaging and unsolicitedly reminds me that what I'm doing has a positive impact, um, I wouldn't be able to keep doing this. I just, it, the money would not, would not matter at all if it wasn't for that.
1: No, that makes complete sense. And again, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and then kind of going into now your role at Troops, how are you guys thinking about community? Are you guys thinking about it in terms of an owned community that you guys are going to build? And or it's already built and you guys are just looking to really put more people and energy into that? Or are you guys going more so for um? sponsoring and working with partner communities almost in that sense.
0: I can't speak in too much detail yet. Um there are a lot of things in motion. Um like I mentioned I've been at the role for three months. So it's been more of the building the levers versus pulling the levers. Um but we'll we'll be giving a few brands a run for their money very soon. Um, I am Ooh. going to be employing a lot of D2C strategies. Um, I'm a big believer in partnering with D2C brands as B2C companies, B2B companies. I'm also a big believer in influencer marketing. I'm a big believer in affiliate marketing and referral marketing. I am a big believer in shock value. I have no qualms against calling out competitors by name. I, I, I personally enjoy creating controversy controversy within the space. So as somebody who's unintentionally become the Perez Hilton of the space, I, if you have drama, I probably already know about it. Um, so I, uh, I I can't wait to start leveraging some pushing the envelope strategies that are very uncommon in B2B, um, that I would, I think are just going to really just help troops stand out. Um, it's really going to help troops explain its value and the fact that it's not this note-taking tool. It's not just a fancy spreadsheet. It's workflow automation. It's the ability to give every single one of your employees at any level in the organization, at any level of tech savviness or lack thereof, a virtual assistant that they can program themselves. Like the fact that we can do that in less than 10 clicks for every single human being is something that I think not enough people realize. And I think through shock value and through um, creating Brand awareness in a way that we all fall in love with the same way we fall in love with clothing brands and food brands and music brands and I'm hinting at some of the strategies as I'm talking right now um, is going to be very advantageous for troops in the marketplace.
1: Well, it sounds like we may just have to have you back in like a year or so. (laughs) <laughs> to see how all those strategies then like work out because <laughs> I can't wait. And they cost a lot
0: less money than traditional strategies. So double whammy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, more the mirror. That is not bad at all. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad to hear that you guys have exciting stuff coming down. And thank you very much for dropping a little bit more info about troops because I just learned something new today about it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, last question would just be. What would you say is your number one metric or KPI that you really focus on in a community role to help show at a business value level that community is important to your business and therefore we have to care and devote people, resources, time to it?
0: Yeah, it, for me, it, I really care. Um, my boss doesn't ask this question much, but I ask myself this question, is how many times are people having conversations about troops and what are the conversations about troops like, um, and when I say people, I'm talking people that don't work for troops, whether it's customers talking to customers, customers talking to prospects or prospects talking to prospects. That's a really good indicator that your community is doing well. Uh, Daniel um, at Chili Piper, their director of partnerships and community, um, shout out to him. He's actually one of my biggest inspirations for what I do. Um, he's a lot more scientific, um, he's very artistic, very artistic, but he's a lot more scientific in his explanation of these things than I am. And he puts it very well that a community, we said this at RevCon quite literally yesterday at the time of recording this, um, he mentioned that your community is, is kind of like a, a, a forum or a social experience where, people are talking about what you're doing without interaction from the employees. Where a lot of companies think community is just like your company talking to people in social back and forth. Um, It's more about conversations about you in front of you, you know, and like you can take advantage of that in a thousand ways. That's a whole nother podcast episode. But the point being, I always look for how many times are we getting talked about? How many times are things tangential to what we're doing getting talked about? you know, this is also falls under the category of social listening. So it's a social listening metric at the end of the day, which is a really good health check on whether or not your community exists and is strong. Um, you know, and I could go on for another hour about how we can turn that into like a dollar's projection and forecasting. But, you know, from a high level, just knowing the number of times it's happening is very helpful.
1: Awesome. No, I love that. And that makes a lot of sense, especially in the focus of seeing truly how active it is, not in a purely built community or one that you're just partnering with, but do people talk about it outside of those places too? Is it looked at as a thought leader? Is it making people want to start conversations? Is it making people think in a different way, et cetera? So I definitely think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yes, we are coming up on time, everybody. So. Evan, thank you again for being on the Community-Led Growth Show today. If people want to follow or and or connect with you, what are the best channels and or handles for them to use?
0: Yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Evan Patterson. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Evan M. Patterson. So M is a Michael, I'm in Elaine, So Evan M. Patterson. And then you can find me on Instagram at Evan Patterson Insta, I-N-S-T-A. Um, and you can also check out my link tree if that's difficult. So it's just LinkedIn tr.ee forward slash Evan Patterson. And that shows you all of the brains that I work with, all of the projects that I'm working on and all of my social handles as they change somewhat randomly lately.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye.